Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today to what I think is the best resource for every business owner, entrepreneur, startup founder. Maybe you're a entrepreneur, you're working that nine to five job, just dreaming of that side hustle you want to start. Or maybe you got that side hustle and you're thinking about how do I grow this into something meaningful where I can quit that nine to five and maybe take a little bit of control over my own day, control over my own time. Whatever the case may be, we bring you the actionable, practical advice you need to grow your business. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Today, we are sharing the number seven most downloaded episode of the Good Advice Podcast in the last five years. This one was episode, I think, 299 with Steve Lay, who's the owner of Equity Business Solutions here in Northwest Arkansas. Now, if you've listened to the podcast long term, you've probably heard about him because his ad pops up on the podcast quite a bit. He's an amazing supporter of the podcast, but before he was a supporter of the podcast, I was very much excited to have him on the show as a guest. His episode was incredible. We talk all things about entrepreneurship, growing a business. Uh, He does run a bookkeeping business. We talk a little bit about that, but more importantly, man, he is scaling this thing to do some pretty cool and amazing stuff for 2024. All that to say, you're going to love this episode and especially if you're from nwa heck you've probably run into this person before stay tuned check out this episode but before we dive in a word from one of the other amazing businesses that sponsor this podcast and make it happen we'll be right back soon life is constantly moving quickly and in fact i find myself more and more wanting a pause button to capture some of those special memories with my family that's why i love what the team at duncan and stone is doing They've created high-quality keepsake journals for every stage of life. From people who are freshly engaged all the way to welcoming their first child, Duncan & Stone has a series of journals that are incredible for capturing some of those precious memories, and not just memories, but the stories and conversations that you want to have with your loved ones one day. Personally, I love the Dear Daughter Journal because it captures all the amazing memories that I want to be able to tell my daughter Maylee one day the team at Duncan and Stone understands the value of keeping these memories close to home. That's why they've spared no expense in creating high quality journals that are designed in-house because they know how precious these memories are. Check out DuncanandStone.com and see some of the journals that will walk you through every stage of life. They're easy to use and beautiful to display. And most importantly, they capture what matters. Again, go to DuncanAndStone.com to find out more. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm excited about today's episode. We're talking about real actionable things that you can apply to your business. And hey, if you're a landscaper, you especially want to tune into this episode. We're talking about bookkeeping for landscaping. In fact, you can find out more at bookkeepingforlandscaping.com. I'm sitting down with the owner, Steve Lay, who is a bit of a guru when it comes to bookkeeping. Now, wherever you are in your business, you might be someone who you're thinking, hey, I just want to get out. I want to do the work. I want to make my customers happy. And all this other stuff, like getting in the weeds on your bookkeeping, what do I even do with this? How do I make heads or tails of this? 
Or heck, you might even be thinking, I don't even have any kind of bookkeeping at all whatsoever. You know, you're a, you're a napkin math kind of person. Well, sooner or later, if you want to grow your business, if you want to scale your business, you absolutely need someone you can trust who can give you insight and direction on the financials of your business. And that is someone that Steve has really become and is really can be someone who's your trusted confidant in that. Uh, confidant. <laughs> confident. Who knows? Uh, Steve, it's great to have you on the show today. It's a pleasure being here, Blake. Yeah. So, um, you know, tell me a little bit. I just gave like the spiel. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing, you know, why landscaping? I'm, I'm curious to, to let our audience know a little bit more about you. Well, as I created my bookkeeping business about three years ago, uh, obviously, like lots of small business owners, you might just jump in and take whoever you want. Right. Whoever will, whoever <laughs> will pay you is, 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 is what I was looking for. But as I got into it and as I began to work with different fields, different areas, I found that construction and trades really – attracted me. Mm-hmm. I liked working with them. And the more I got into the area of working with landscapers, I found, wow, these are the guys that I really like working with, probably mainly because of what they do. I'm a, I'm a real do-it-yourselfer when it comes to my yard. I like a pristine yard. I like my yard to be the best-looking one in the neighborhood. And so I like I like what landscapers do and what they can do for for their clients. So, you know, it just it became a natural for me to want to work with them. So I began focusing on working with landscapers and and uh, building my clientele that way. And as I as I worked with local landscapers, and I said, you know what, this is the kind of thing I can take virtually. So now I'm starting to look for landscapers anywhere in the country that need the services that I can provide to help them uh, run their business better. You know, you mentioned that those days of when you first start your business and you kind of jump in and um, it's funny, I was talking to someone who they were like, you know, I just, I just didn't go to school for business. Like when I started my business and I was like, I don't know if anyone did. Like a lot of times you just jump in, you know, someone out there is a landscaper or they're an entrepreneur or they're a startup founder and they're just passionate. They're passionate, you know, continuing with this example of a landscaper, they're passionate about, um, you know, which clearly my wife and I, we aren't as passionate because, you know, you drive down the neighborhood and it's like, that's a beautiful house, beautiful lawn, beautiful lawn. Ooh, what's going on over there? Uh, and that's typically our lawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know the pain, I'm sure, of starting a business and it's like, you know, how do I make heads or tails of this? How do I make sense of my financials? Um, a lot of people get really stressed out and kind of, uh, ignore their financials till it's tax season. Um, what was it like for you when you started your business? Well, I had a little bit of an idea of what it was going to be like. I spent a career as an operations manager in manufacturing. So I knew what it took for, for a business to run. I knew the hard work it would take. I understood the financial side of business. But what I probably really didn't understand was how you take the knowledge of running a business and try to market it Mm -hmm. and then turn that marketable skill into something somebody actually wants to buy. And as I, as I worked at marketing myself and and trying to figure out, okay, who, who's a good client for me, uh, it became more and more clear that it's not just about having a skill, but it's being able to take that skill and then, and turn it into something that, that somebody wants to buy and it's a lot of hard work. I mean, anyone that tells you that starting a business is easy, 
It's not. You know, <laughs> I, I had the advantage of as a as a child growing up in a, my parents' business. Mm. From the time I was five years old until I got out of college, I worked in a small business, and uh, we worked every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, it was fun going to school because we got a break from working. So anyway, as I'd done that, then I I began realizing starting a business is hard. I'm going to have to spend time hitting the pavement every day looking for clients, plus do the work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I appreciated about the landscaping business and how I really wanted to see if I could help landscapers was if you look at all the beautiful yards in the neighborhood and you know how much time and effort it takes for a landscaper to do that, after a long, hot day, the one thing they don't want to come home and, and, and mess with receipts and with paperwork. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be able to do is help mm-hmm. help them with with the paperwork, make make their job easier. Yeah. Well, you know, <coughs> a, a lot of times people, they the reason they start a business for themselves is because, um, you know, it's the story of the person who was working a nine to five corporate job uh, or an eight to five corporate job. Um, they, they are attracted to entrepreneurship because they like the sort of creative freedom of it. Um, they like being sort of untethered from the systems and processes and it's a bit of an irony because like you mentioned, once you start running your business and you start thinking about, yeah, how do I, like I, the guy who cuts my lawn, I said, Hey, can you send me an invoice? And he was like, Oh, uh, I have never sent an invoice before. <laughs> so there's these things that, you know, it almost feels like you know, we're slow to get into these systems and these processes because they feel, um, there's like a stigma of them being corporate, but they're actually pretty helpful in running your business and having someone who can help direct you is also pretty helpful. You know, early on in your business, when you were kind of creating these systems and I love the expression you use, by the way, of like sort of like discovering something your customers will actually love. Cause many of us, when we start a business, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is gold. Like I'm amazing at this. And yet you don't have any customers. So walk me through what was a little bit of your process of really crafting your business into something that, People couldn't say no to. Well, my background as a as a as a operations manager, every month I would be handed a set of financials. Then it was my job to figure out what do I do with those financials? How do I make the numbers better? I knew as a small business owner that there's not time sometimes to figure out what do I do to make the numbers better because the very next day I have to get up and do the same thing. Right. And there's no time for that. And, and sometimes you're, you're coming home to a family, you know, sure. it's time to, you got to be on, like, it's not like I'm going to go home and spend the next hour going through, <laughs> you know, so all of my stuff. My goal would be that my landscaper come, could come home, sit on the back porch, drink a beer, go to his son's ball game, go to his daughter's dance recital and not have to worry about the, the financials, the paperwork and all that. I mean, when, as you grow, then there's more than just the invoices for the individual clients, and it becomes scheduling all that work. Right. It becomes the payroll because eventually you're going to hire people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to provide all those tools to help them do that, whether it's using QuickBooks payroll, whether it's using T-sheets for them, whether it's using some software like Jobber for them to be able to mm-hmm. keep track of all their all their jobs and their schedules and all that. It's it's just an opportunity. So yeah, as I grew in my business, what I would do is I would say, okay, what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. 
I would sit down with a client and explain their financials. And when you're talking with someone, you can usually tell if they're getting what you're telling them or they're giving you a blank stare. Mm -hmm. So then you refine your message. And I look for tools to better prepare myself to teach the the numbers, but also Mm -hmm. better ways to present the numbers. And Mm -hmm. uh, handing someone an income statement may not help them. Handing them a graph that shows trends of that income statement can be real beneficial. Yeah. And whenever <laughs> now they, I see the down arrow. And, and it, when, it when you sense. see down, you it's not good. We see up, that's good. <laughs> Gotta keep it but, simple for me. But whenever <laughs> but whenever they can begin to see the the benefit of, okay, yeah, we're tracking in a good place mm-hmm. with revenue. My revenue is going up, my expenses are going down. I'm able to set a more set more aside each month for mm-hmm. Buying more equipment in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I want to sell my business someday. Do I have good financials in place for doing that? I want to go get a loan to, to, to grow my business. You know, do I have the financials that it takes to do this? So I like to be able to explain why you need a good income statement, why you need a good balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And what are some of those numbers on that? What do they mean? Right. What do you do with like people? Because I'm sure this conversation comes up a lot, um, especially I was talking to someone this morning about uh, he was asking like, hey, what's your advice for business owners who are we're in the thick of inflation right now? And I first I said, that's a really great question. I actually hadn't thought of it. Yeah. But as I was thinking about it and responding to him, I was like, you know, I think it's more important than ever to be cognizant of of what you're spending money on in your business, um, which is hard because a lot of business owners they spend money on things that aren't actually valuable for their business, but they're personally very attached. You know, it's, it's an area of passion. It's something, uh, and it's always not, I'm sure you run into this too. It's always not, they're not always fully self-aware. I'm assuming. I mean, you have someone who says, um, it's, I don't know if you ever watch, uh, Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmares where he goes around to restaurants and helps them flip their mm-hmm. restaurant. I've, I've, I've seen an episode. Yeah. So what's really funny in these episodes is he walks into an empty restaurant. There's no one there. I mean, literally no one like, you know, he'll like, look, is this place even open? Like, is it closed? We'll finally meet the owner. It'll be like, he'll, he'll ask, you know, tell me about your menu. And someone will say like, Oh, this item. And he'll, he'll like specifically point out this item and he'll be like, this item customers love. Like we have to, if we're going to revamp our menu, we have to keep this one item. And Gordon Ramsay will be like, why that item? You have no one. Like no one is coming in to buy anything. And there's always this interesting tension of the customer or excuse me, the the owner really feeling passionate. And, you know, maybe you find out that it's like the grandmother's recipe passed down. Like it's a very like familial uh, bond with it. But it, it does seem like business owners sometimes really struggle to disassociate their personal love for a product or service or something they're spending money on uh, without realizing that it's actually not improving their bottom line. What does that conversation look like for you when you're talking to a, especially with, with a landscaper, as you're talking about, you know, working safe commercial versus residential, you know, if, if you have a choice between the two, typically a commercial job can be much bigger. You can go to one place and work all day and, and make a lot more money, thus a, a, a better profit margin than if you go to 15 different houses that might be three or four miles apart in most. So even going through, you know, someone who, who loves doing residential lawns, but doesn't recognize the benefit of, of getting some big clients 
and then mm-hmm. be in one place all day, or maybe a landscaping job where he can be one place for three, four, five weeks and not have to spend all the money running back and forth different places. And so getting them to recognize, okay, where can I be profitable, not just where do I have more fun? Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah. And, and being smarter in the whole process, oh, sure. right? I mean, I love you mentioned even houses three or four miles apart. I've known people to do service jobs like this where they're like, we just, we love the idea of customer service and we'll be there wherever you are. And so it's like this overly like holistic, like customer service. And so they, you know, they drive up to rot. And so for our listeners, we're in Northwest Arkansas, which is, you know, you've heard me talk about it on the podcast, but um, it's, it's a series of cities that are all from bottom to top. It's probably about half an hour of a drive. And so you'll have a, you'll have someone who says like, yeah, if my customer is in Bentonville, which is like the northernmost, um, uh, or even the, the town Bella Vista, Bella Vista right yeah. above that. If a customer needs me there and then another customer needs me in Siloam or Fayetteville, like I want to be the person who can be there. And it's like, yeah, well, you spent an hour, you know, and then you had another customer in Rogers. Uh, so you spent an hour, hour and a half driving and not making money because you're so passionate about this ideal of great customer service. I love what you're talking about, about being smarter with this rather than, you know, <laughs> so passionate, I guess. <laughs> because there's nothing like efficiency to drive a bottom line. And my years in manufacturing taught me what to look for when it comes to efficiency. And numbers will tell you everything you need to know about your efficiency. All you have to do is understand what they're telling you and to be able to figure, okay, wow, yeah, I'm – I'm not making as much money mowing neighborhoods as I could be mowing that one commercial spot. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe I need it's time now to, to hire someone who I don't pay as much to mow those commercial yards. And I get a little piece of that pie while I take care of the big jobs. And, it, you know, as a, as a business owner, until you understand the numbers, sometimes you don't even see those things because they're just they're just blind to you. I mean, yeah. and I guarantee you, as much as I like a good looking yard, as much as I like doing it personally, at the end of when I'm done with it, I certainly don't want to work on stuff. I, I want to sit down and relax. Right. And for a landscaper to be able to sit down and relax and know somebody else is going to be taking care of those numbers and mm-hmm. and giving them data so that, mm-hmm. you know, once a month, once a quarter, whatever it takes to go through that and say, oh, I see. Yeah, I can, I can do this better. I can do that better. And, mm-hmm. Well, it's the, and, it's, uh, it's, this is the key to scaling any business, you know, for you guys who are listening and it doesn't have to just be landscaping, by the way, this is for any business. Um, if you ever want to scale your business to a meaningful place, meaningful meaning, um, you know, maybe you started your business and it was like a random side hustle, 10 bucks an hour, you know, you brought in the grocery bill, you know, and you're like, this is kind of cool. Like this is nice. And then it grew and it became like the full-time gig, the full-time job. And maybe you're doing, maybe you're doing a hundred K on it and you start to think about, okay, what would it take to make half a million dollars or a million, or maybe you're on the brink of that seven figures you by now have probably figured out that you have to be able to trust others and delegate others because there is literally, I think, I think, and Steve, I'm curious your thoughts here on social media. There's definitely like this portrayal of like the one person army, like the person who does everything, you know, they're up at 4am, they're handling this part of the business, that part of the business. 
in re in reality, I've never actually met someone who does all those things. What I have met are very smart people who've realized, okay, landscaping is my sweet spot. Let me hire someone else to handle all the rest. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to let go in that way. I think it's hard. I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's control. Um, but I'm sure you have customers now who they breathe a sigh of relief, like after a month with you and they're like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a lot easier than me having yeah. to go through everything. Yeah. I mean, a, a favorite quote of mine is if, you know, is if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I want to help my, my clients realize that there are people who can do things for them. Not that they're not smart, but, but I'd like them to be smart enough to realize that they can utilize their time better growing their business and letting others handle the things that perhaps they don't like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like doing bookkeeping and, and, and preparing taxes for my clients. But what I really love doing is marketing my business. So I hopefully will have uh, more and more employees doing more and more bookkeeping. So, and I can do the things that I like to do in the business, which is talking to clients, giving them advice, helping them mm-hmm. understand the numbers. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, it's, it really boils down to the client, you know, realizing what, what do I like to do best and empowering others to do the things I don't like to do. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, what's your advice for like the business owner who is stuck in their habits? Cause like, I, I know, especially business owners who are scaling, they, they even have the awareness of, I need to stop doing these things. You know, maybe just staying on the example of landscaping, you know, I'm spending two, three hours, I'm going through QuickBooks and maybe I'm watching YouTube videos on like how to, um, you know, really understand a P and L statement or all these different things. So they're spending all this time and maybe it started like part passion, like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like I'm learning this stuff, but they've gotten to the point where they're like, this is insanity. Like I'm literally, I'm doing a full work day, uh, maybe not just out like at someone's house or at a, a commercial property. Maybe I'm also, you know, I'm hiring people. I'm working with my employees. I'm scheduling maybe. And they've gotten to the point where they've realized this is nuts. I cannot keep spending this many hours looking at my financials. So that person comes to you and they say, Steve, I need help. Like, this is insane. What's your advice for the person who is still though entrenched in the habits of, you know, they still want to be involved in the financials. They still want to handle the financials. They still want to manage all of that. Um, Cause I've had people myself who've hired me to do work for them and they still want to, do it all themselves. And it's kind of like, Hey, what are you spending your money on? You, you know, you can actually take this off your schedule, but those habits continue to crop up again and again. How do you approach that conversation? I think it's important that they, they stop and think and say, okay, how much time am I spending on doing what I'm doing? And am I making more money doing my books? Am I making more money doing my marketing Mm. or am I making more money outbidding jobs and sending my workers to do those jobs. And, and as you do that, you begin to realize that, and, and I'm, I'm going to be the first person, I, I would not want my clients to not understand their books mm-hmm. and understand them in some level of detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the services I offer with that person who insists, especially when they're small, of doing their books is, is what I call a, a, a review and consult, where I'll review their books for them once a month, once a quarter, 
and sit down and tell them, okay, these are the mistakes you made. These are how you need to classify these transactions. This is why depreciation is important to capture correctly. And at least get them an, an understanding of their books. But at some point in time, I'll tell them, when you're, whenever you're tired of doing this at 1030 at night, give me a call, <laughs> and, and I'll take it over completely for you. <coughs> yeah, that's the magic of business ownership, I think, doing it well. I mean, we talk, and everyone who's an entrepreneur knows the statistics of failure rates, all these different things. And I, I, I do, I agree with you that there is like this element of selling something that people want and like crafting your product into something that people want. But then there's this entirely other world that you're really insightful on, which is it's, it's impossible to keep running your business, managing all of these things till 1030, 11 o'clock midnight. I mean, you will literally for our listeners, you will literally kill yourself. I mean this, and you know, Steve, I don't know about you, but for me, there's, there's a real joy in entrepreneurship. Like I I'm doing what I'm doing because I, I love the creativity. I'm inspired by it, but there definitely comes a point where I am so in the weeds on all these elements of my business that the passion's gone, the creativity's gone. And it's like, dude, what am I doing? Like, why am I spending time on this? Um, so it's, it's, it's a valuable insight for sure. Yeah. From a leadership standpoint, you know, it is, it is fun being an entrepreneur. I am the best boss I ever had. But that being said, I recognize that I can't do it all myself. Because I really don't want to work 90 hours a week every week. Because if you try to do everything in your business as it grows, that's what will happen is you'll keep getting more and more hours. You'll be working until 1030 at night. You'll be working all day Saturday. And if you stop and step back and say, okay, how much of my family time am I missing? How much of my fun time am I missing? How much of my just relaxing time am I missing? Oh, it's time to to have other people do the things that help me enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, learning the business can be fun, but it's only fun whenever you have time to enjoy the fruits of, of running the business. And, uh, as you scale and you make more money, then you want to be able to take some of that time that you've created for yourself Mm and, and, and do the things you like to do and not just do the things you don't like to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a balance, especially in the beginning, because you don't know when to when to hire that first person. I know the first right. person I hired, uh, I just decided, okay, I think I'm going to need this person in, in three or four months. So I went ahead and hired him part-time. So I paid him for three and a half months before I really needed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a little bit of work for me, but all of a sudden, I suddenly got a bunch of new clients all at once. And I was glad I had them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it cost me a little bit extra money to hire someone that I didn't really need, mm-hmm. but it paid off. And I think in any service that, that you're looking for to help your business make the decision that, Hey, I'm going to spend a little bit of money because it's an investment in my future, not just mm-hmm. uh, an expense that I don't want to have. Yeah. And I think there's an insight there on is for all of us who are listening, your, there's a lot of content out there on like your mental game, how you approach finances, how you approach wealth even. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I will tell you guys who are listening, if you are, if you exist in your business with a mentality of scarcity, fear, um, I don't know if I'm going to get that next customer. um, The kind of thing that Steve's talking about is not for you in the sense of you would not understand the value 
of investing in your business because in your mind, you have nothing to invest anyway. It could be gone tomorrow. However, you know, if you've been thinking, you've been growing your business, you've been thinking about, you know, what would it look like to have a six or seven uh, figure business at some point you have to invest in your business. You have no other options, right? Right. I mean, it's like you said, you had no other option, but to hire this person. Um, otherwise it's like, what do you do? You, you know, you can't clone yourself. Right. right. I mean, so it's like, what are you going to do? Um, so I would encourage you guys to remember this and think about this because you, you have to be able to develop an appetite for trusting other people to help you grow your business. I always, my, my favorite definition of, of empowerment is trusting someone to do a job for you that could cost you your job or cost you that client. And if I, if, if a, if a landscaper sends one of his workers to do a job and he has to go check on him every hour to make sure they're doing it right, then they're probably not very profitable. Mm-hmm. And then that, that employee is, is only going to do whatever he's told to do. Right. But if you tell them, Hey, this is what I need you to do. Use some creativity, you know, make sure the client's good with it, but let them go do it. And as you build that relationship with that employee and they an employee can tell if you trust them or not. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they can tell because like, again, if you go yeah. check on them every, yeah. every hour, they're you've saying, been here five times. Yeah. Today. Yeah. You've been here. <laughs> so why are you coming? It's Cause you don't right. trust that I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Right. And I, I just believe that, you know, there is nothing like empowering a workforce. And as you grow, the more you can empower them, I'm confident that the faster you'll grow because you can do a lot of things when you have employees that are not only working for you, but they're helping build your brand. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and they do, whether you think they are or not, mm-hmm. your employees probably build your brand more than you do once you have very many of them because mm-hmm. they're the ones who become the face of your business. Right. Right. And it's, it's especially insightful in the sense of, you know, this concept of learning to trust despite the mistakes that people make sometimes. Cause I think everyone, you get on the subject of trust and they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, I had this one employee who yada, yada. And it's like, okay, that's the exception. It's not the rule. Um, so teaching people to, you know, I guess sort of forgive quickly or move past failure quickly. Yeah. Cause you know, if you guys listen, you're going to make that bad hire. It happens. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to bat a hundred. Um, is that the right term by the way? Yeah, that's the right term. <laughs> All of a sudden I realized I didn't know baseball. <laughs> and I was like, wait, is that even right? People are like, that's the worst you could possibly have. But you know, something that your story reminds me of is a guy who was running an IT company and he had, um, his employees were all remote, but they were local. So he had 14 employees and I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, so what's going on? And he was like, oh, it's really great. I'm about to do my, um, inspections with my employees which I knew he ran in a remote business. And so I immediately was like, well, what is, what is that? And this was actually pre COVID interestingly enough, but he was like, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm spending the next two weeks. I'm going to each of their houses and I'm inspecting their workstation. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like imagining being this employee, like your boss is going to come into your house. Like, look at, I mean, it just was, it was so interesting. And I remember thinking like, well, like how, how's revenue been? Like, is there like a financial reason for this? And he was like, oh, it's amazing. We've tripled our revenue in the last nine months. And I was like, so why do you care what your employee's workstation looks like? Like, why wouldn't you be out spending the next two weeks, like, you know, leveraging your business, you know, exponentially thinking about ways you can grow your business? Like, why would you waste your time with this? And it's because he had been given advice from someone else who was like, you can't trust your employees. You got to keep after them. You got to stay on them. 
Um, which I think as you pointed out, you know, that lack of trust, it doesn't do well for the business and especially your employees. I mean, they know, I think oh, you're yeah, right. I think they know. They do know. And, you know, it's, it's really a matter of, of being, recognizing that just because I have a way of doing something doesn't mean it's the best way. And it's certainly not the only way. And if you allow your employees to maybe figure out, you know, how they were, how they want to do a job and, you know, just because you mow the yard from right to left doesn't mean that it doesn't work mowing it from <laughs> left to right. Uh, as a kid growing up in my parents' business, we always had chores and jobs to do. And my brother and I would get a new job from, from my dad and, and we would spend a lot of time the first time we did it figuring out the fastest way to get it done because we wanted to get done and play baseball. Mm. And it would drive my dad crazy, but he never stopped us. He always let us try and figure out our way to doing it and not just doing it his way. So I think it's important to to begin to develop that trust in your employees. And man, you'll never know when an employee is going to come up with a better way of doing something that maybe everybody in the company needs to be doing it that way just because it's a better way. I heard a story several years ago about a, a young engineer working for this big firm and he was put on this project and he made a huge mistake and it cost the company a couple million dollars. So he gets called into the CEO's office. He just knows he's going in there to get fired. And as soon as he gets in the door, you know, he begins to apologize. He says, I know you're going to have to fire me. And the CEO looked him in the face. Why would I want to fire you? I just spent $2 million training you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it's okay. So people are going to make mistakes. Yeah. And, and if you try to correct their mistakes with discipline, you may not get very far with them. If you correct their mistakes with training or with encouragement or even ask them, okay, so what are you going to do different next time? Mm -hmm. And let them figure out, okay, I made a mistake, but yeah, now I know what to do next time. Then, hey, mm -hmm. it's going to be great. And, you know, and, and, and in, in the landscaping business, there's lots of different ways of, of doing things and, and, uh, you know, allowing your employees to help figure out how to do that can, can be a real plus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it goes, you know, it's not just the trust piece. It's also like the mentality you have when you hire someone, which I think a very toxic way that people portray this or they walk this out is it's like very parental and even like very toxic in the sense of like, you know, you know, you're the guy who doesn't know what you're doing. I'm the boss. I tell you what to do, yada, yada. And what I'll tell you guys, you know, we've all had that kind of boss. Hopefully none of you guys have that philosophy or, um, ideally you're not, you're at least self-aware enough to know that you don't act that way around your employees. But when you trust your employees and you give them the space to, um, discover their own process, I think you're right. You know, someone can find out a way of doing things that saves you a ton of money. Um, even when they make mistakes, it can mm -hmm. teach you something about the industry that you didn't even realize, but a lot of owners out there are afraid of their employees making mistakes. And I think it does go back to that scarcity mindset. You know, what if they make a mistake and they lose me a customer or they ruin my business? Um, hopefully that, that doesn't happen, but you know, it's, it's, it's valuable when you actually trust your employees. And the other thing that I think is interesting about this too, is there's some processes that really matter for the bottom line of the business. So like sticking with, with landscaping, you know, maybe you have someone who, um, they want to weed eat before they cut the grass and you're, or they want to edge the lawn before they actually cut it. 
And you're like, well, no, it's going to, you're going to have to do it twice because, you know, once you cut it, it's going to actually mess up the, the edging, you know, whatever it is. Right. That's a process that you might sit down and train and say, Hey, even though your, your habit is to edge first, we're going to cut first, then we're going to edge. Um, the flip side of it is like you said, you know, oh, well, I always believe that if you cut from right to left, it's faster. <laughs> You know, you're going to drive your employees crazy. They're going to be like, what is, what is wrong with this person who is yeah. obsessed? And so I think the insight there is, you know, judging your employees by their outcomes rather than their deliberate process. Um, I think that can take people's business yeah. as far as well. And it is. I mean, and I'm going to be the first to agree that efficiencies come from consistent processes. But consistent processes don't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Consistent and efficient processes are developed over time by trying different things, different ways. And if, you, if your company is growing, you're not going to be the one who can always try those different things, different ways. Trust your employees to do that because once you do, then once again, an employee could come up with a process mm -hmm. that saves you a lot of time, a lot of money. And even if you give that employee a big bonus because they did it, think about the long-term impact of that process being changed because your employee mm -hmm. was allowed to think outside the box. I love your your perspective or your appreciation on on long-term thinking. You know, because a lot of times as a business owner, you know, you're so concerned with what jobs do I have tomorrow, like what customers am I serving tomorrow, that it's hard to actually have the space and time to excuse me, to actually like step back and think about that employee and what does this mean six months from now or nine months mm -hmm. from now? Or like, yeah. where's my business going to be a year from now? Yeah. A lot of us are so used to firefighting or being in the weeds that we don't always give ourselves that time and space. Um, so I, I like how you keep coming back to, you know, really stepping back into that 30,000 foot view and looking objectively yeah. at your business because it really doesn't come naturally. And, and there is a balance. You, you do have to manage the day-to-day. -day, but if all you do is manage the day-to-day, -day, it does become a firefighting exercise. And then you never know if you're going to get to where you want to get because you've never stopped and taken a bigger view of, okay, well, where is it I want to get mm -hmm. and how am I going to get there? And you you might have a goal in mind, and it might take – you three, four, five years to figure out if you're even going the right direction to get where you want to get. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, because it might change. Mm -hmm. You know, the the environment can change, the landscape can change. Mm -hmm. You know, from a from an economic standpoint, from your personal life standpoint, lots of things is, can change how you're trying to get from where you are to where you want to go. But if you don't have that goal out there in front of yourself and always looking at it and and thinking about. What do I need to do different today mm -hmm. that can help me get there? Then, mm -hmm. you know, it can't all be dreaming. I, I <laughs> sometimes as a visionary, I spend too much time dreaming, mm -hmm. but, uh, I have to rein myself back in to think about some of the day to day things. Mm -hmm. But if you can't do both, then, then, you know, you, you can get hung up in just the day to day. And that's the kind of person too that's going to get hung up. And I'm not giving up my bookkeeping. I'm not giving up my marketing mm -hmm. and I'm not giving up any of these other little things that I have to do because I, you know, it's going to cost me money today. Right. As opposed to, okay, what's it going to do for my long term to, to be willing to give up those things? Right. Now, I'm curious this, you know, as you start talking with people, um, do you ever like find yourself like 
looking at someone's financial and they, the way they portray their business is like the financials tell like an entirely different story. Like for example, someone who's like, Oh yeah, we're super profitable. And then like, you look at their books and you're like, no, like you're bleeding money. Um, do you ever have to have like those kind of like, you know, pull the, 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 the scales off the eyes kind of conversation where someone's like, Oh my gosh, I did not realize or maybe they're like, yeah, we, we lose a little bit of money. And then you look at it and you're like, you're going to be bankrupt. In. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> think the, like? I think the biggest thing, because most small business owners have a little bit of a feel for the minus coming in and the minus going out. So they got a, maybe a good feel for income and expenses. You know, the probably the biggest thing that I come across is business owners who haven't really got a feel for what it means to have a good balance sheet or a good cash flow statement. Mm. And they begin to understand the different elements of those mm-hmm. to say, hey, this, yeah, that income statement may say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making some money. But if they, if they don't look at their, their balance sheet to see, well, is my equity growing mm-hmm. or am I just keep borrowing more money to, to, to grow the business? And all of a sudden now I, you know, my, my debt to equity ratio is like, a 75, 80%. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't understand all the, the instruments they have, once again, balance sheet, cash flow statement. Yeah. They can, they can be a mess. So yeah, I, I have had clients I've sat down with this. They th- look at their income statement and say, this is how much money I'm making. And we look at the balance sheet. Oh yeah. But you've got seven months worth of, of debt. Mm-hmm. Based on your income and, and you're not making any money. You're just, you're digging yourself a, a nice big hole, mm-hmm. but you're enjoying doing it. <laughs> I actually talked to a guy who his whole business revenue was built off of, um, basically business loans again and again and again. I mean, he would take out a business loan, then he would close a, a deal, you know, pay off a portion of that loan and take another loan out. And I mean, that was his entire revenue model until he finally got to the point where he realized like this. <laughs> This can't be good. Like this can't be a healthy model. But he was just like you said, he was just relying on the money's coming in, you know? And usually when that when they get to that point, it's too late. Hmm. Because now they owe a lot of money and somebody comes to them and say, Hey, you're you're you've got way too much debt. I want some of my my money back. You gotta start paying off these loans and there's not enough cash flow mm-hmm. then to start paying off the loans and those are the those are the small businesses that go bankrupt. They're the ones that don't make it in the first year or the first five years, which is, mm-hmm. you know, statistically speaking, lots of companies fail in the first five years. And I, I believe there's two things that help a company succeed. One is to have a good relationship with customers to provide what the customer needs. But the other thing is cash flow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand cash flow. Yeah, it, it can sink you really fast. So let's let's park there for a second. Like expand on that that statement. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of content around this subject. It's mentioned a lot. Uh, I think it's um, the, sort of the the entrepreneurial spin on cash is king is cash flow is king. Um, what's like the most immediate thing that our our listeners should walk away with on this topic? Well, typically, especially as as you're growing and you're doing more from a standpoint of of Doing jobs but not getting paid right away or buying things mm-hmm. and not paying your, your vendors right away. So your accounts receivable and your accounts payable are typically a really good clue because if your vendors are expecting to be paid in 30 days 
and your clients are paying you in 90 days, mm-hmm. you're going to get in trouble really fast. Right. So that's always a, a real clue. Uh, looking at a person's balance sheet to see do they properly account for their assets? You know, do they, do they actually have assets on their balance sheet? Are they actually keeping track of depreciation properly so that they know that, okay, yeah, I've got this brand new lawnmower, but I know every year the value of it's going down. Right. And paying attention to how that impacts what your balance sheet looks like. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you know, if you go to a bank to get a loan, they're going to want to see what your balance sheet, they're going to know what, okay, what, what your asset looks like. What are your, your uh, liabilities look like? Do you have a lot of credit card debt? Do you have a lot of uh, loans? Mm-hmm. You know, from a, from a standpoint of health, Looking at credit card debt is always a quick way for me mm-hmm. to recognize to, wow, you've got a lot of credit card debt. That means that they're using the credit card to fund the business. And unfortunately, if they're not paying them off every month, credit cards you mm-hmm. know, are 20 plus percent interest. And in. mm-hmm. that's a real cash cash sucker. There's a lot of bad advice out there where, yeah. I mean, I talked to a guy, we were talking about launching a business and I was a financial guy. And I said, what's your advice for people listening? He'd someone to come on, he'd come on the show probably a couple of years ago. And he was like, man, I would rack up your credit card just to get as much cash as you need or be able to cover as much as you need. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I wish you hadn't said that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you know, and to say you don't want debt, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with debt. It's how you manage the debt. Right. And it's, do you have the income to cover it? Do you have the assets to cover? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably, for me, one of the biggest thing is you just don't want uh, you don't want negative equity. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you have enough assets to cover whatever debt you have. What's negative equity? Negative negative equity is when you have more liabilities than you do assets. So if if you own fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment, but you owe a hundred thousand dollars in and in loans mm-hmm. and other things, and then your equity is negative fifty thousand, and, yeah. and you're you're <laughs> under, That's what you call underground, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and you don't want to be there. Yeah. So you know that's that's the importance of having that balance sheet. And and I've I've got a really good client that I meet with every month, uh, and that's one of the first things he looks at. He says, "Is my equity growing or shrinking?" Mm-hmm. He wants to know if he's staying above ground, and if he's getting ahead of his of his his loans and that kind of thing. So I think that's if I can teach anybody anything about cash flow and manage their businesses, it would be that because at, at the end of the day, if you if at least if you have a a positive equity and you decide, hey, this business isn't for me, then you can get out of it without without being in debt. Right. You can at least pay off your debts with your assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love it. Actually, makes me think of. Um, uh, a guy who, uh, it was, it was a job where basically he needed contractors and, um, he had told me about the business a couple of times and then we sat down and got lunch and I said, Hey, I'd love to hear about the business. And he was like, Oh, it's like a brilliant business plan. And I said, okay, well tell me more about it. And basically was, was hiring out these subcontractors and his, the angle of his business was he would pay them that day. And I said, well, what do you mean? He was like, yeah, well, if someone comes, they do a job for us for, it was in construction, eight hours working with us. We pay them as they leave. And that incentivizes people to keep coming back to work with us. And I was like, yeah, but when do your customers pay you? And he was like, oh, uh, I don't know, like 
30 days or <laughs> or 60 days yeah. or 90 well, days. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. And if it's a corporate company, yeah. um, yeah. And for our, for our listeners, if you're working with corporate clients, you know, the, that lead time of, of 30 days, I think is very short. Mostly what I've encountered with corporate customers is 60 days, uh, if not more. But so, yeah, I was like, and you don't see an issue with paying your people the same day, but not you getting paid until 30 days later. And he was like, no, no, I don't see an issue yeah. with it. Had lunch with him again a few months later, and I said, "How how's that going?" And he's like, "Oh, that's it's long dead." <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee you, if 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 you're doing you know commercial lawn work for a a, a publicly traded company, <laughs> I guarantee you they're going to be at least sixty days, if not ninety days, to pay their bills. Because what are they worried about? They're worried about quarterly profits, and if they can push out what they pay into the next quarter. I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. And so, yeah, you have to balance that. You have to be able to know what's coming in, how quickly, what's going out, how quickly. And, it, you know, I may speak in simplified terms, you know, and I know a lot of, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of, a lot of financiers may, may put it in much more technical terms. I like to try to be practical and to say, hey, are you bringing in more than you're, than you're putting out? And are you able to bring in enough to put some aside? And one of the things I, I like to teach my clients is that every time you have some income coming in, you know, you need to set some aside to pay your taxes. You need to set some aside for paying yourself some profit this quarter, next quarter, and set some aside for growth. You know, if you're a landscaper and you have a your eye on a, a new skid steer that you want to buy, but and, but you don't have enough for a down payment, then set some aside every month mm-hmm. or every job. Say, hey, I'll put 3% aside, mm-hmm. and when I have enough for a down payment, then I'll buy that new skid steer. But it's real important that you think a little bit ahead so that, you know, as money comes in, you know what you're going to do with it before you do it. Because mm-hmm. if you just bring it in and start spending it, then it mm-hmm. you can, like I said, you can, you can get underground really quick. Well, and you probably have people you've worked with who, you know, they sit down with you and they're like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't paid taxes on my business. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think for our listeners, if you, if you legitimately want to take your business somewhere, you, there, you just can't be lazy about it. Like you, and there's no other word I can think of. I mean, again, a lot of times, especially in the entrepreneurial space, it's like, you're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I, <laughs> I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Like if you're going to run a business of any meaningful profit, like I say that intentionally, like you actually want the lifestyle you want where you don't want to work 40 hours a week. You yeah. want to, you want to make enough money to work 30 hours, yeah. maybe even less. You have to get diligent about your business. And that means these concepts that Steve's talking about, it can't be an afterthought. It can't be, oh, I'll, you know, taxes, how big of a deal are taxes really until, you know, you've spent five years and now, you know, the tax man's coming wanting to know, you know, what did you do with a slice of that pie over the last five years? It can put you in a really tough place. And, and, and structure your company around how you can best, you know, pay taxes is, is an important thing. And, and, and probably what I find besides income tax or where my clients can get in trouble the quickest is with sales tax. And, and I'm sure I know lots of states are, are different, uh, in particular in Arkansas. Uh, for landscapers, there's, there's a lot of rules around what you pay sales tax for and what you don't pay sales tax for. And, and understanding that is important. And, uh, I also found what's interesting is, is if you run a business for very long, 
the government will find out whether you're paying sales tax or not. <laughs> and they will eventually say, hey, here's a landscaper who's registered as an LLC in the state of Arkansas. I don't recall having seen any sales tax come from his business. He's got to be uh, doing work that requires him to charge sales tax. And, and so it's important to know the rules. And if you don't know the rules, ask. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not the smartest guy in the world when it comes to sales tax, but I, I do know where all the answers are. Right. And, and, and those few times I don't find the answer myself, I take time to ask. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, and here's what I'll be saying. Guys, I, I disagree with Steve. You don't need, you don't need to figure this out yourself. You just need to hire Steve. I mean, that's, that's the shortest, that's the simplest answer is like, why are you spending time? What get off YouTube learning about sales tax? Stop reading random Wikipedia guides. You know, this is, this is so a bottom priority for you. I mean, it's urgent in terms of to make sure you're handling it, but you want to be out there growing your business, getting more customers, scaling this business and really allowing it to create the lifestyle that you want rather than being in the weeds on how does sales tax work? You know what I'm saying? Like you just want you just need to hire Steve. So, (laughs) but Steve, we're actually out of time today. This has been an awesome conversation. Tell me people listening who they're like, man, I gotta, I gotta get to know this guy. I gotta find out more. What do they What do they need to do? How do they reach out to you? What's the best way? Well, the easiest way is is to go to my to my page, landscaping or bookkeeping for landscaping, and at that point in time, they can schedule a, a consult with me. I, whether we meet in person if they're local, or whether I talk to them via Zoom or on the telephone, uh, business relationships are important to me, and I'm going to talk with with lots of people that are good clients for me. I'm going to talk with lots of people that may not be good clients for me. And people are going to talk with me and decide if I'm a good bookkeeper for them. Mm-hmm. But until we have that time to sit down and, and talk and, and work on that relationship, then mm-hmm. uh, we can't really decide. But, yeah, the first step is just go to that page, uh, mm-hmm. Bookkeeping for Landscaping, schedule a consult with me, and we'll either grab a cup of coffee someplace locally or we'll just chat over mm-hmm. over Zoom and, and – uh, yeah, and, and, if you, and work towards that. If you want to get in real good with Steve um, and let him know that I sent him sent you his way, go to bookkeepingforlandscaping.com slash good advice. Uh, and that'll be a really easy way to let Steve know, hey, heard you on the podcast. Uh, just be a good starting point. Sure. Let him know. Um, so again, bookkeeping, uh, bookkeepingforlandscaping.com slash good advice. And if you forget, it'll be down in the show notes below. Uh, Steve, this has been an awesome conversation. So many great insights, so many great tips, so much good advice for all of us in our businesses. And I appreciate you taking the time today. And I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Hey, for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are and wherever you are in your business. And hey, don't forget, we're updating our podcast every week. And if you want to support the podcast, you can absolutely go to our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. And make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms. Hey, I so appreciate you listening today. I wish you well. That's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.